This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Uh, we're going to have a really good show today, and, uh, and it really hits a sweet spot for us because we're always asking people, what do you do to remember your children? You know, what kind of tributes do you give to them? And uh, we've got a great guest on today who has interviewed uh, like a lot of people and 147 families to ask them what they've done to as tributes. So it's going to be a great show. Absolutely, Mom. And uh, we are going to talk about tributes to lost children today. And our guest is Rod Mebin. Rod is a writer, editor, and independent publisher. Following the death of his 19-year-old daughter, Emma, in 2011, he became curious about what other families do to honor their departed children. And after researching the topic, he wrote, Tributes to Lost Children, a snapshot of how 147 families have honored their children who have passed away. Welcome to the show, Rod. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's uh, great to have you on, and uh, so sorry about your daughter. So that's been six years ago since Emma passed, and uh, you said you just went to get uh, get her up, and uh, she didn't ever wake up, right, after going to bed? No, that's exactly right. It was, it, it was in the summertime. She had just finished her freshman year at Illinois State University. She was home for the summer and working, and uh, her mom happened to be out of the country at that time, but her brother was here at the house, and it felt like kind of a normal Thursday night. We had pizza, and, and we laughed. And actually, my, my those, those two kids, Emma and her brother, uh, Skyped with their older sister, and um, so it felt perfectly normal. And the following morning, Emma didn't wake up. We uh, we estimate that she probably died around 4 o'clock in the, in the morning. Uh, but we, we don't know what the cause uh, of death was. Um, so it will always be a mystery. And and yet it, it devastated our family, as I'm sure you can expect. Well, Rod, that is so bizarre. And you know, when they say she died peacefully in her sleep, she literally did die peacefully in her sleep. Nobody knew. No, that's exactly right. And I have thought, you know, there are so many horrendous ways to lose your life. Um, Emma got, she got the best possible way, but her timing was really messed up. Absolutely. She, she was 19 at the time. And, and as I've said it, she was on the threshold of her dreams. Wow. Well, we're sorry for your loss. That is just really bizarre, I have to say. Yeah. So that yep. was in 2011. And then what, in 2015, you started uh, thinking about what people do to honor their kids? Well, you know, I kind of stumbled into this. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, uh, but, but fortunately I have been spared um, some of the most significant losses and grief that people do experience. Um, but I found that in my in my own situation, very soon after Emma died, I wanted to start doing things to honor her. I didn't think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, within a week or so, I decided that it would really be nice if Emma could become an Amazon author, a published author. So I, I took a, a project that she did when she was a first grader. It was a coloring project having to do with shapes. But, of course, she spelled it 
C-H-A-P-S. So phonetically, it looked like shapes to her, but it was chaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she died in the middle of July. By the end of August, there was a little book that was that was on Amazon. Um, subsequent to that, you know, we did a scholarship in her name, and on the first anniversary of her death, we sponsored a fun run for her friends and, and family and so forth. But in those early months and re- years, I was in a fog. I think most people are. You kind of lose a sense of purpose. You lose a sense of time. So there was not a lot of means or, or, or method to all of this. But, but really it was, I guess I think in 20, 2014, that I began to, to think about, well, what we've done some really nice things for Emma. What have other families done, done for their children? And that's what started a really fascinating process. It was uh, it started with a, an online interview through uh, the uh, Survey Monkey tool, very informal. But what I was able to do was to um, contact about 500 families that had had lost children, and invited them to participate. Gave them a little bit about my background so that they knew that I was also a bereaved parent. And then I kind of sat back and really didn't know what to expect. But within a week or so. Uh, about a third of those 500 people responded. Oh my God! And when I looked, that's amazing. And when I looked at the when I looked at the responses, it was phenomenal. And so one of my early insights is one: parents parents really they want to talk about their kids. And as you know, in you know in our busy world, a lot of people don't want to engage in those kinds of conversations. Right. And so, in addition to wanting to tell, to, to talk about their kids, they had wonderful stories to tell about. I mean, just dozens and dozens of different kinds of things that that uh, they did to sustain memories and, and celebrate lives. And so, really, in coming up with this little report that came out just about a year ago called "Tributes to Lost Children," it was really a summary of those responses. And it's a, it's what a I wonderful to, little book, Amy. Say, I've got it right here. It's beautifully done bunch of children on the front and tributes to lost children but i love the way you've organized it because you can just almost leaf through it and say oh let's see um here's one about adam's 67 dodge his car do you remember that one yes i do yes i do talk Um, about that i thought that was really interesting one of the characteristics of many of the, the tribute activities that families engage in is as you'd expect shaped around the interests of the child mm-hmm. and and so in this case with the with the uh with the with the dodge he was a a big auto truck fan i think he was sort of a nascar fan too and so it was very appropriate that his family would honor him in that way uh-huh with the car and bandanas what about bandanas yeah that was a situation where um the exact context for it, but, I, but the child was a big bandana wearer, and I think at the, I think it was at the funeral of the memorial service that that uh, friends wore bandana and you know in deference to the oh, their I love lost that. comrade. Isn't that cute? <laughs> I love that. So everybody wore bandanas. I love that idea. That's right. Another one actually wasn't part of the survey, but I just came across fairly long, uh, fairly recently. It's a, it's a woman in in. Um, New Zealand, who lost a daughter, and she has a book called What Abby Taught Us. And one of the motifs that she developed was around dots, colored dots. 
And so now they sell dots in Abby's memory and and uh, all sorts of decorations in dots. So I think you know the world is 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 there's no limit to the things you can do honoring your kids. And um, it's really quite heartening to see how people do take that on. Well, and Rod, I love that you told people that you were a bereaved parent also, because it's like they knew it, there was it was a safe place. You guys have been through a similar situation. I mean, you've all been there, unfortunately. And I think that that helped you get so many responses also. I think that's true. Um, one of the things, I've been to uh, two of the Compassionate Friends conferences. The first one was when it was here in the Chicago area. And one of the things that I realized very soon after um, arriving and seeing all the people, way too many people who've lost children, and the name tags that showed the children's name and, and little photograph and so forth, the conversation was so free-flowing, and I think it was because everybody knew that they had something that they were sharing. Mm -hmm. And and it created a sort of an instant bond, but also a sense of mutual understanding. Yep. And so you cut through a lot of the, you know, uh, extraneous material and really begin to find, you know, care about people. And so there is a community, and it's very strong, but it's, as I mentioned somewhere in the book, it's it's not... A community or club that any one of us want to belong to. Well, I know that we you're, you just talked about compassionate friends, and you will be at the national conference in Orlando in July. You said presenting a workshop. So, what will you be presenting on? Well, it actually will be on this topic. Um, it's the first time that I will present at the compassionate friends, and the topic of the workshop is is paying tribute to our children, and it's really uh, a way to encourage participants to think in a more structured way about how they honor their children. Um, the, I think one of the key findings of this of the survey that I did, the, the research, is, is actually the organizing framework that helps to explain what families do. And, and by that, what I mean is all of these little stories in vignettes, as I kind of worked them into different categories and tried to see where, you know, where things were alike and so forth, it, it appeared to me that there were three primary motivations that, that bereaved families have when they're planning activities to honor their children. And they are as follows. Bereaved families, they want to keep the children present in their lives. Bereaved families want their children to be remembered. And very often, bereaved families want some good to come from their own losses. Mm-hmm. And so those are the three broad categories, and I think that I, I think they probably resonate with you. Yes. But then I and then I was able to organize at a, at the next layer of of detail. So, for example, um, in in order for families to have their children be remembered, they do things like this: they designate special places for community remembering playgrounds gardens, that kind of thing. They promote their children's names on signage, on paver stones, in articles and books. They create expressive works inspired by their children, participate in memorial activities on behalf of their kids, and commemorate their children's special days. So that's just sort of an example, but this pretty elegant framework hangs together in organizing the, the 
dozens and dozens of things that people do. And yeah, so I, I like one, it. And one of the things on page 61 that I really liked is that you have a list of things that people do for birthdays. Because, I, you know, particularly early on, I remember the first year, what do you do for a birthday? And you've got just a whole list of things that people do for birthdays. I'll, I'll just grab a couple of them. We go to a favorite restaurant as close as friends are invited. It's our treat for them for being such special friends. And we want to reminisce about fun times and lots of laughter. I love that. And then somebody else said um, we donate flowers at the church for her birthday. And somebody said they organize a 21st uh, birthday party for my daughter and all her friends come and make it very special. So you've got, you know, probably 20 things that people can do because sometimes you're at a loss for what to do. And, Heidi, I'm thinking that families could also look at these birthday ideas together Mm because not everybody agrees, right, Heidi? I like that idea, Mom, because if they all looked at it together, maybe everybody would come up with one that they all agreed on. Yeah. And also going through all the things you can do. You talk about lighting candles and, as you said, the bandanas and and all that kind of thing. And uh, you, you talk about one thing that I think is interesting. You talk about gardens, because I know a lot of people do gardens. There are a lot of memorial gardens. But you also say you could just do a plant, right? You don't have to do a whole garden. Well, that's it. You know, there's nothing. This does, tributes do not have to be big and expensive and involve a lot of planning. It can be just a, a simple photograph on a, on a, um, on a dresser. Rod, um, I appreciate the fact that you can just do a plant because uh, yeah. I'd love to do a tribute to my brother like that, but I live on the 14th floor, and I don't have an, a yard. <laughs> so a yeah, plant would yeah. be really good. I like the idea of modifying some of this. Well, and one thing that occurred to me, and this, again, was some number of years after my daughter died, but it was the recognition that as a parent, I think I might have thought in the beginning that, sadly, I am no longer a parent to Emma, that I no longer have parenting responsibilities. But that my thinking changed in a dramatic way, and and it was that essentially we we can and 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 maybe should in some cases transition from being an active parent and worrying about their soccer practices and going to college and all things to becoming the protector and proponent of their legacy. Mm-hmm. And. When I, when I started thinking like that, that, you know, I really actually do have responsibilities to Emma, to have people, to help people remember her, to, to, to let people get to know who, her who never met her while she was alive. And I think for families to, to realize that they really do have important responsibilities as the steward of the child's legacy. Absolutely, Rod. And, you know, whenever my mom said years ago when she was doing all this stuff with Open to Hope, she said, you know, Heidi, if Scott was physically here, I'd be spending time with him. But since he's not, the the way that I'm continuing his legacy and his bond is by all the outreach I'm doing to help other people keep his memory alive and, and help other people find hope. I, I think that's exactly right. And and I think one of the other kind of dimensions of this that, that I think is worth considering is that, you know, when you lose a, a, a child or a spouse or you know, anyone really close, you are absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. And it really calls into question your your ability to be resilient, you know, because I think this is a situation where it, it is such an, an, a, a difficult, um, challenging um situation that you're dealing with that, that you have for which you have no preparation 
And so I think as people are kind of living in this in this bleak devastation, if, if they start thinking about things that they could do for their children, then all of a sudden the family is beginning to work together again, you know, to plan the birthday party, to, you know, to, to organize the bandana, you know, whatever. And it gives them a purpose. It keeps the child you know, front and center in their thinking and becomes a, a group activity for the family and friends and you know, however you want to define it. So it begins to, you know, I think, you know, you, you, at that point, you want to be able to put one foot in front of the other and just begin to start living forward again. And it's really hard for people to do right. because, they are, because they are so, so um, saddened and hurt. But if they yeah. begin to honor their kids, it begins to kind of get the juices flowing and all of a sudden there's some joy again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I am with tributes. I I now, am, before I, I want to, because we don't have too much time, let's talk about tributes okay. and Facebook, because I think that's so innovative and so amazing. Well, and that's exactly where I was where I was going. Oh, good. Um, I, with tributes, it is a it is a, a like a, a twinkle of light against a very dark background, um, but it's a way uh, to tell people your your children's story. And so, what I've tried to do, and this is through a little nonprofit, there's it's there's no money in grief, <laughs> so yeah. it's all for, you know, <laughs> that's what my mother always says. Not monetizable, <laughs> yes. But the idea is to provide a platform for families if they do something for their kids to let other people know about it. You know, you can have the local paper cover it and so forth. But but there is this this uh, community page on Facebook that has the same name as the book. It's called Tributes to Lost Children. We we with our this little foundation called Starshine Galaxy Foundation. We po- we populate. We post usually at least once a day um, some little story or vignette and encourage other people to share their stories too. It's um it's not even a year old, so it's still you know kind of just getting off the ground. But it's a, it's a way to to um to to kind of um, broadcast some of the wonderful things that are out there and. Um, so thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, well, Heidi's a big Facebooker, right, Heidi? I like Facebook, yes. <clears throat> and, and isn't that a great idea to be able to put your the things that you've done? I, I think it's so important to let other people know what you're doing because it not only honors your child, but it just gives such great ideas. And it, this book is amazing. I tell everyone to get it, Tributes to Lost Children. It's on uh, Amazon. It is on Amazon. It's also available on the uh, the Grief Toolbox website. Okay, our friend. And, uh, uh, Glenn Lord. Glenn, Glenn Lord at the Grief Toolbox. Yes, so right. you can go there and get it. But I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's just got a huge number of ideas for you. <clears throat> and also, if you're a friend of someone who's lost a child or whatever, it can give you ideas on what you can do to suggest to them or help them or maybe ask them if they would like to uh, you to have a party for their child or whatever. All sorts of things you could do. Yes, uh, the uh, you're limited only by your own imagination, I think. Mm-hmm. I love it because it's a great way to get started for people out there that just don't know where to begin. And if you could give um, just one bit of advice for those out there that are new in their grief and don't know how they're going to survive, what would you what would you tell them, Rod? Well, I think I would actually go back to something that I alluded to just a few minutes mm-hmm. ago, and that is find find a little project that will will honor your lost son or daughter. And it might be just organizing some photographs. It might be you know uh, planning something special for a, 
a family event. It might be um, doing something with, with color or plants or whatever. Um, but try to find a little something that will make you feel feel good about how you are honoring your child. And then let one thing lead to another. And uh, But I think that, that begins to get people thinking in a constructive way um, following one of the worst things that obviously can happen. I love that, Rob. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on our show and for talking and giving us ideas about how to have tributes for our lost children. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Rod. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, Heidi, um, I love these ideas. There are just so many of them. Uh, A great thing to have as a resource because it's so hard to think of things when you're in that kind of pain. And sharing with the siblings, involving them in it, perfect opportunity to do that. Absolutely. And research shows that uh, siblings are more committed to continuing bonds even than parents are, which I was surprised about. Um, You know, we take this journey in our lives with our siblings, and we are very committed to keeping them present in our lives, as Rod talks about, to having people remember them and to having good come from their lives. Yeah, and I think this book or going on his Facebook page, uh, Tributes to Lost Children, with your family members would be a great thing and a great opportunity to open up for discussion. And uh, seeing him at the Compassionate Friends National Conference in Orlando this year. Yes, I'm excited that he's doing that and to meet him. And Heidi and I want to thank you for listening to the show today, and we want to ask you to please let your friends, family, and anyone who's had a loss know about the Open to Hope site because we cover all sorts of losses. Everything's tacked for content, radio shows, television shows, and things just there for you and for those you love who are bereaved. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.